Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. From the wilderness of Kodiak Island, Alaska, this is Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier with your host, Robin Bearfield. In a land full of peril and vicious animals, humans are the most dangerous predators of all. Neighbors suspected Elmer Hobb was up to no good. And when his wife, Bonnie, mysteriously disappeared, they feared Elmer had done something to her. Alaska state troopers also found the disappearance of Bonnie Hobb suspicious. But with no body, there was little they could do. Welcome to Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier. I'm your host, Robin Bearfield, and I'm broadcasting to you from the heart of the Kodiak National Wildlife Refuge on Kodiak Island in Alaska. If you've listened to my podcast for a while, I'm sure you have noticed a significant theme, violence against women. I've quoted the statistics many times, but as a reminder, according to the University of Alaska Justice Center, 50 out of every 100 women residing in Alaska have experienced intimate partner violence, sexual violence, or both. Alaska ranks first nationwide with the highest homicide rate per capita of female victims killed by male offenders. The Violence Policy Center lists Alaska as one of the most dangerous places in the United States for women. Elmer Hobb beat his wife, Bonnie, and probably killed her in a rage. Bonnie had finally summoned the courage to leave Elmer, but she never made it. Something happened before she could make her getaway. Most people go through life attempting to stay within the lines of the law. Besides traffic citations, most avoid contentious interactions with the authorities, days in court, and years in jail. Then there are those who can't stay out of trouble. These men and women don't want to play by the rules and think they are smart enough to get away with their illicit deeds. Elmer Hobb was this second type of person. Hobb had served prison time in California, Oregon, and Washington as he worked his way up the West Coast. Elmer Hobb was a strong, stocky man with a personality to con people and charm women. After several failed marriages, Elmer met Bonnie Ellis in California, where Bonnie worked as a laboratory technician. In 1965, after their marriage, Elmer convinced Bonnie to move to Alaska, even though such a move violated the conditions of Elmer's latest parole. Elmer had found a deal 
and convinced Bonnie's mother in Portland, Oregon, to lend Bonnie $5,000 to buy the Mendeltona Lodge, a roadside bar and restaurant on the Glen Highway south of Glen Allen, 180 miles northeast of Anchorage. Mrs. Ellis eventually loaned the couple $10,000 to buy the lodge. But this was a bargain for a property worth nearly eight times that amount. Bonnie was 42 and Elmer was 53 when they moved to Alaska. Soon, Emil and Emma Tooley, friends of the Hobbs, moved to the state to supposedly help Elmer and Bonnie run the lodge. Emil Tooley was also a career criminal and he and Elmer had become acquainted while serving time at Walla Walla State Prison in Washington. Elmer and Emil were primarily interested in the lodge as a cover for a more lucrative business. Elmer could be a charmer, and his neighbors along the Glen Highway liked him and his petite wife. However, some noted chinks in Elmer's armor. Elmer occasionally showed rage, and neighbors spotted Bonnie more than once with cuts and bruises on her face. People suspected Elmer was beating his wife, but no one wanted to get involved in the couple's marriage. Elmer's accumulation of boxes of army rations and cases of auto and machine parts immediately alarmed neighbors. Elmer asked his neighbor, Joe Kretzler, owner of the Musabu Garage, if he could store a supply of army rations in the attic of the garage. Kretzler agreed, but found the request suspicious, since Elmer had plenty of storage space at the lodge. Mrs. Kretzler was less accommodating. When Elmer approached her and asked if he could store cases of auto and machine parts in the woods behind the garage, she told him his woods were just as big as their woods. By then, the Kretzler suspected that Elmer was asking them to store stolen goods so he wouldn't get caught with the contraband on his property. On May 30, 1966, Bonnie Hobb visited the Kretzlers at the Musabu garage. The left side of her face was bruised and bleeding. She told the Kretzlers that she was leaving Elmer, gave them $700 in checks, and asked them to hold them for her. Bonnie never returned. Several days later, Joe Kretzler drove into the parking lot of the Mendeltna Lodge and found Elmer Hobb standing next to his truck. When Elmer saw Kretzler approaching, he jumped in his vehicle and sped out of the lot. Kretzler noticed a tarp covering something in the bed of the truck. Elmer at first explained Bonnie's absence to the Kretzlers by telling them she went to Montana for a vacation. Later, he showed them a letter he claimed he'd received from Bonnie, saying she never wanted to see him again. The Kretzlers did not believe Hobb. For one thing, Bonnie's little poodle was still at the lodge, and Joe and his wife did not think Bonnie would go anywhere without her dog. Also, why wouldn't she have collected the $700 in checks she'd asked them to hold for her? The Kretzlers contacted the Alaska State Troopers and shared their concerns about the mysterious disappearance of Bonnie Hobb. But the troopers refused to get involved because no one had filed an official complaint. Elmer soon gave away Bonnie's poodle and some of her personal belongings. Since Bonnie's mother had fronted the money to buy the lodge, the property was in Bonnie's name. 
after Bonnie disappeared, Elmer and an unidentified woman visited a notary's office where Elmer introduced the woman as his wife, Bonnie Hobb. The pair presented the notary with a power of attorney document, giving control of the lodge to Elmer's friend, Emil Tooley. The woman signed Bonnie's name and the notary signed her name. Emil Tooley then sold the property back to Elmer Hobb for $10. In October 1966, Bonnie's mother contacted the Alaska State Troopers and said she had not heard from her daughter since May. Trooper Detective Don Church drove to the Mendeltna Lodge and interviewed Elmer Hobb. He then spoke with the Hobb's neighbors. The Kretzlers once again expressed their concerns about Bonnie's disappearance. When Church ran a police check on Hobb, he learned that Elmer Hobb had a criminal record dating back to 1935. Still, Elmer had never been arrested for a violent crime. The neighbors felt certain Elmer Hobb had killed his wife, but Detective Church could find no hard evidence to support this claim. However, Church continued to investigate Hobb. While his inquiries and record checks did not bring him any closer to discovering what happened to Bonnie, he learned plenty about Elmer Hobb and his latest illegal enterprise. Detective Church found a police report Hobb had filed claiming his car had been stolen from the parking lot behind an Anchorage bar at 2 a.m. Church knew Elmer Hobb did not drink alcohol, so why was he at a bar at 2 a.m.? Church followed the paperwork to a local junkyard, where he learned that the car Elmer had reported stolen had been totaled and completely stripped down to its frame. Detective Church interviewed the junkyard owner, who said Hobb did quite a bit of business with area junkyards. The man said he did not trust Hobb because several vehicle title forms had disappeared from the junkyard office the last time he was at the yard. The more Detective Church investigated, the more convinced he became that Elmer Hobb was running a multi-state vehicle theft ring and an insurance scam. Hobb and his acquaintances were stealing automobiles and cases of auto and machine parts in West Coast states and then selling them in Alaska. At the same time, they stole cars in Alaska and sent them south. In 1967, Elmer Hobb filed for divorce from Bonnie. Then he sold the lodge, a property and business he'd swindled Bonnie's mother out of for somewhere between sixty-five dollars and $80,000. Fearing Hobb was about to flee the state, Detective Church and two other troopers went to Anchorage, where Hobb was reportedly staying, to confront him. Someone told Hobb that the troopers were looking for him, and he left the state before the troopers arrived. Let me take a short break. I am currently working on my second volume of Tales of True Crime and Mysterious Disappearances in Alaska. My publisher released my first volume of Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier about a year ago. This is from the back cover of that book. Was the Mafia involved in the 1972 disappearance of the plane-carrying Congressman Hale Boggs and Nick Begich? 
or was it just a simple case of bad weather? Who murdered the postmistress in Ruby? How did Alaska state troopers use cutting-edge science to find Sophie Serkey's killer? How does crime differ from one part of Alaska to another? Alaska has always had a high rate of violent crime, from the gold rush to the building of the Trans-Alaska Pipeline to the heyday of king crab fishing. The state's rich resources have attracted workers and criminals alike. Travel through time and space with me while I tell you about murder and mystery in Alaska, from the early 1900s to the present day, and from Juneau to Kiana, Nome, Anchorage, Kodiak, and places in between. Learn about serial killers Ed Krause, Richard Bunday, Gary Zeger, Robert Hansen, and Israel Keys. Why did Michael Silka suddenly start killing the residents of remote Manly Hot Springs? And what reason did Lewis Hastings have for murdering his neighbors in McCarthy? Why was no one ever caught and convicted for the gruesome massacre on the fishing boat Investor? Alaska is vast and breathtaking, but it can also be deadly. Take a road trip and learn about Alaska's past and present through its violent crime. Get a glimpse of murder and mystery in the last frontier. Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier is available online at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and other online bookstores. It is also sold at Barnes & Noble in Anchorage and the Islander Bookshop, Big Ray's, Cost Savers, and Norman's Fine Gifts in Kodiak. On February 22, 1968, state troopers announced they had cracked a sophisticated burglary ring based at Mendelton Lodge on the Glen Highway. The troopers said they had recovered over $10,000 worth of stolen goods, plus four stolen cars. They said the ring had operated in all states along the Pacific coast as far south as Santa Monica, California. The ring was responsible for several burglaries and auto thefts in Anchorage and Fairbanks, as well as in Oregon. Trooper Detective Church said he suspected the criminal group consisted of three men, and the ring leader was Elmer F. Hobb, manager of the Mendeltna Lodge. The authorities said that Hobbs' whereabouts were currently unknown. Trooper Church said he was continuing his investigation into the mysterious activities surrounding the Mendeltna Lodge. He said the investigation was already nearly two years old, and it began in the spring of 1966 when he started looking into the disappearance of Bonnie Hobb. He admitted that he still had no idea what had happened to Bonnie. The trooper said the auto theft ring would buy a wrecked vehicle and its title from a wrecking yard in either Anchorage or Fairbanks. They would then steal and register a similar vehicle using the wrecked automobile's paperwork. At this point, they could quickly sell the stolen vehicle. In addition to the automobiles, the gang stole expensive equipment, including portable power tools, welders, and generators. The thieves stole equipment in Alaska, drove it to Oregon, and then sold it. Then they stole machinery and tools in Oregon for the return trip to Alaska. 
The troopers arrested Glenn W. Qualls and Vernon Johnson in connection with the auto theft ring, but the ring's leader eluded capture. Detective Church traced Hobb to Los Angeles, but once again, Elmer Hobb left before the troopers could find and detain him. In April 1968, authorities in Flagstaff, Arizona, arrested Elmer Hobb for burglary and assault with a deadly weapon. The Alaska State Troopers finally knew where Hobb was, but they would have to wait until he faced the charges in Arizona before they could transport him to Alaska to stand trial. Detective Church looked forward to grilling Hobb and learning what had happened to his wife, Bonnie. Hobb was sentenced to five years for grand larceny in Arizona, and then troopers escorted him to Alaska to face charges for the auto theft ring. In July 1969, Hobb confessed to troopers Don Church and Charles Reed that he had cremated his wife's body three years earlier. Hobb claimed Bonnie's death on May 30, 1966, was an accident. He said Bonnie died from a blow to the head she sustained from a fall. Hobb told the judge and the court, She was drunk, and I was trying to put her to bed. When I was trying to push her through the door, she fell and hit her head on a water pump at the lodge. He said he put Bonnie in bed, and when he returned to check on her later, she was not breathing. Hobbs said that because of his lengthy criminal record, he feared the authorities would not believe Bonnie's death was an accident, so he burned her body on two separate nights, using logs and the surrounding brush to keep the fire going. He then scooped Bonnie's ashes into a 55-gallon oil drum. He threw the drum into the nearby Mendeltna Creek and let it wash downstream. He then raked and swept the pit where he'd burned the body. Trial Judge Moody requested that Hobb lead the troopers to the gravel pit where he claimed he'd burned Bonnie's remains, and Hobb agreed. At the spot, Church recovered bone fragments and human residue. He also found a slug at the scene, but since the area near the secluded gravel pit was often used for target practice, Church doubted the bullet was related to Bonnie's death. Hobb was convicted of manslaughter in the death of his wife, and sentenced to 10 years. The grand larceny charge for the auto theft ring was dropped, but he was found guilty and sentenced to three years for obtaining money on false pretenses from the insurance fraud perpetrated during the auto thefts. For all his various crimes, Elmer Hobb served five years in an Arizona prison and 13 years in Alaska. Elmer Hobb likely murdered his wife before burning her body. The next-door neighbors, the Kretzlers, were some of the last people to see Bonnie alive, and at the time, Bonnie was bruised, bleeding, scared, and determined to get away from her abusive husband. Unfortunately, she never got the chance to leave. Anglers boast about fishing for grayling in beautiful Mendeltna Creek, but some claim They've looked into the shallows and have seen the reflection of Bonnie Hobbs standing next to them. Does Bonnie's restless spirit haunt Mendeltna? 
In 2017, the Mandeltna Creek Lodge, still in operation at the time, burned down. No one was in the lodge when the fire started, and the building was a total loss. The owners decided not to rebuild. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you to my patrons for your support. Check out the show notes for more information on how you can support this podcast and unlock extra episodes by joining the Last Frontier Club. If you haven't already done it, be sure to join the Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier Facebook group and chat about the podcast. I'll see you soon for the next episode of Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.